Today we turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. We've been looking at the theme of breaking the chains of various things that come our way. One of them is discouragement. And maybe some of you are discouraged today. Elijah was discouraged. And God met him in a wonderful way and renewed him and refreshed him. And I pray that God would do the same in our lives this morning. 1 Kings 19 verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel... All that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. He was afraid. He arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked, on stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel king over Aram. And Jehu the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shephat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall come about the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel, Jehu shall put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha, shall put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. 
Shall we bow in prayer? Father, take now the words that you have given to us, words by the inspiration of your Spirit, words to encourage us today as you encouraged Elijah that day, a man who was so discouraged he wanted to die. But God, you refreshed him. You renewed him. You refocused him. And you continued to use him until the day that you took him home to be with you. Teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Many years ago, there was a Midwestern lawyer who was so discouraged and suffering such deep despair that he was ready to end his life. And during this time, he wrote these words, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I awfully forebode, I shall not. Do you know who wrote those words? The man that wrote those words was the 16th president of the United States. And if you don't know who the 16th president of the United States is, shame on you. You need to go back to school. Anybody willing to admit you don't know who that was? Oh, yes, you know, Pastor Lee, who that was. That was Abraham Lincoln. So discouraged, he's wondering, would he ever recover? Well, you don't have to live very long in this world to realize that the circumstances of life can be discouraging. And there's all kinds of things that come our way that would discourage us. Maybe it's a ball game that we lose. Maybe it's financial troubles. Maybe it's health problems. Maybe it's relationship struggles. There's all kinds of things that, that come into our life that can discourage us. So what do we do when discouragement comes? Well, we see Elijah facing a real time of discouragement. I believe there's three lessons we can note in our text today. First of all, we need to realize the danger of discouragement. I don't know if we fully understand how difficult it can be to be discouraged. Discouragement has a way of sapping us of our energy. It has a way of sapping us of our enthusiasm for the Lord's work, unlike just about anything else. And what's interesting is the chapter before this in the life of Elijah, he was on Mount Carmel. Remember that story? Uh, 450 prophets of Baal were gathered there and they were trying to call down fire from heaven. And of course, it didn't happen. And here's Elijah standing alone in opposition to these 450 prophets of Baal. And he prays and calls down fire from heaven and it, it licks up all the water and the altar and, and, and sets the, the offering ablaze. A marvelous, marvelous victory. And then in the very next chapter, we find this, this prophet of God who was on the, mountain, on the mountaintop. Now he's, he's, he's running away and he's hiding in a cave. And he's depressed. He's discouraged. And God comes to him and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Oh, he says, I'm the only one. Everybody else is forsaken. You're the only one. They want to kill me too, so just take my life and end it. 
So how could a man be on the top of the mountain one day and hiding in a cave the next day? That's a picture of life, isn't it? We face these ups and downs where one day we're on the mountain and then the next day we're discouraged. Now when a person is discouraged, things usually look much worse than they really are. Have you found that to be true? When you're discouraged, then things around you seem to be much more difficult than they really are. Now think of Elijah here. Uh, twice, what does he say? You know, Israel's forsaken your covenant, they've broken down your altars, and I alone am left. I am the only one. And if you notice what we read at the last verse of our text, he wasn't the only one, was he? <laughs> God says, Elijah, I've got 7,000 others. They have not bowed their knees to Baal. Elijah, you are not the only one. And yet when you're discouraged, it seems like uh, things are much worse than they really are. Oh, how our perspectives get impaired when we are discouraged. And besides an impaired perspective, discouragement led Elijah to despair. I don't know if you've ever gotten to the point where you were so discouraged that you wanted to die. Ever been there where things just seemed to be so difficult, so troublesome, so hard that you just thought, you know what? It'd be nice to just check out. It would be a lot easier to just go home and be with the Lord than to deal with what I'm dealing with today. And, And that was Elijah. Even though he was a man who had been greatly used by God, he came to the point where he didn't want to live anymore. Verse 4, he's sitting under the juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it's enough now, O Lord God, take my life. I'm no better than than my father's. Wanting to end it all. The devil, according to a legend, advertised his tools for sale. And as the buyers assembled, there was one tool that had this sticker on it that said, Not for sale. And someone asked the devil, Why is that one not for sale? And he said, I can spare my other tools, but I can't spare this one. It's the most useful implement that I have. It is called discouragement. And with it I can work my way into hearts otherwise inaccessible. When I get this tool into a man's heart, the way is open to plant anything there that I may desire. That was Elijah, wasn't it? Once discouragement set in, he was ready to quit. He was ready to check out. I don't want this anymore. That's how dangerous discouragement can be. You can get to the point where you just want to be gone. So what are the causes of discouragement? It's the second thing we notice. I think there's many different causes, many different reasons why we may be discouraged. There can be a physical cause, a physical reason. And I kind of wonder if for Elijah, here was a man who was probably physically drained. He had just traveled a long distance. He had run from Mount Carmel to Beersheba, which is almost a hundred miles. Can you imagine that? 
That would be a marathon times four. Just think of the distance he had traveled. And then he went 40 days and 40 nights to get to Mount Horeb. And when you are as tired as Elijah probably was, you would be prone to discouragement. Think of little children. What are they like when they're tired? You don't want to be around them. Just put them to bed. Get, a, get out of my life. I mean, you know, when, when people are tired, it is very easy to be discouraged. And I would imagine that some of you are tired. Some of you probably don't get enough rest. Some of you are burning the candle at both ends and it's about to meet. (laughs) Maybe by God's grace you need to get some sleep, huh? I know for some of you it's hard with the various situations you're in, but, but you know what? When we're physically tired, we are prone to discouragement. There was also a social reason Elijah was, was, was facing his struggle alone. When he first took off running from Jezebel, he brought his servant with him. But if you look at verse 3, it says when he got to Beersheba, he left his servant there. He went a day's journey into the desert, and then he took that 40-day journey to Mount Horeb, and he was alone. Instead of having someone with him during that difficult time, he was facing his struggle alone. And when we face struggles alone, we are in a position of discouragement, aren't we? Because Satan wants to isolate us. He wants us to get us to get us away from the support and the fellowship of the body of Christ. And when we face the challenges of life alone, we are more prone to discouragement. So there was a physical reason, there was a social reason, and certainly there was a spiritual reason. When Elijah faced the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, there's no question he was focused on the Lord. <laughs> His eyes were on the God of Israel, this powerful, mighty God who could, who could bring fire down from heaven. But now he's running. He's on his way into the wilderness, running away from Queen Jezebel. And I would suggest to you that he got his eyes off the Lord. And when you get your eyes off of Jesus... Then the circumstances of life, the problems of life, the challenges of life seem so much bigger, don't they? And so here was one person, Queen Jezebel. She was the one that warned him, and and so Elijah took off, running away from her. Isn't it amazing that just one person discouraged him? Prior to that, he's standing on Mount Carmel against 450 of the false prophets of Baal, and now it's one person who discouraged him. He took his eyes off of the Lord. Hebrews 12 talks about running the race with endurance, laying aside the sins and the weights that so easily entangle us. We are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. But don't stop there, because verse 2 says what? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's when we take our eyes off of Jesus. That's when the challenges look so much bigger. 
When we keep our focus on Jesus and we're looking to Him for His, His grace and His strength and His wisdom and His help in our time of need, it makes a difference in the way we live, doesn't it? Peter, when he was walking on the water, as soon as he looked around him and saw all the waves, he started to sink. <laughs> Lord, save me. Focusing again on Jesus. So there can be a physical cause, there can be a social cause, there can be a spiritual cause to our discouragement. But thirdly, what, what's the cure for discouragement? What did God do in, 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 in Elijah's life to, to renew him and to refresh him? There's three things we can note. One was very simple. He gave him refreshment for his body. And that may not seem like a spiritual thing, huh? But God gave him some rest, and he gave him some food. Verse 5, he lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise and eat. And then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time and said to him, Arise and eat. Now that may not seem like a very spiritual thing to do, but maybe it is, huh? Maybe eating well and resting well is really of spiritual significance. Because if our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and if we are not resting and we are not getting proper nourishment, that's going to affect us in one way or another. Here's the first angel food cake, too, right? Angel baked that cake for him and said, get up and eat some of that stuff. Must have been good stuff because... He went for quite a while on that, on that food. Okay, so maybe it's time to get some sleep and to eat well. Warren Worsby says, When the heart is heavy and the mind and body are weary, sometimes the best remedy is sleep. Just take a nap, he says. Not now, but this afternoon. Take a nap, right? Get some rest and... Have your wife bake some angel food cakes. See what it does, huh? Okay, so refreshment for the body. And then the second thing was is to really refocus on the Lord. And notice how the Lord did that for Elijah, verse 9. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Elijah was trying to get away, but God came to him in his need. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What do you think is going through Elijah's mind? What are you doing here, Elijah? As if to say, Elijah, shouldn't you be somewhere else? What are you doing here, hiding in the cave? And he says, oh, I've been zealous for the Lord, and the whole nation has abandoned you. I'm the only one left, and they want to kill me. Verse 11, so he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. Elijah needed to get his eyes refocused on the Lord. And it's interesting to notice how the Lord revealed himself to Elijah then. There was this, this earthquake, a strong wind came by, rending the mountains, breaking it in pieces and the rocks before the Lord. And then it says, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. Some translations speak of a still, small voice. So God was not in the earthquake. He was not in the wind. He was not in the fire. And then this gentle blowing. And I've pondered that. Exactly what what does that mean? And I'm not totally sure what it means, but I kind of wonder, you know, Elijah had been just on the mountain, right, with fire coming down. And now we see the fire, but God was not in the fire. Did Elijah want to see the, the spectacular, the, the visible fruit for his ministry like Mount Carmel? Did he want to see God working like a wind, like an earthquake and like a fire? Was God trying to teach him that it's not always going to be that way where you're going to see the earthquakes and the fires and, and the wind and so forth? But God has a way of working in a very quiet way. Maybe a way that we don't always see or observe. You know, when you are involved in ministry and you share the word and you don't always see what's going on in someone's heart. I can't read your mind today. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I have to believe that if the Word of God is being proclaimed, that God is working maybe in a, in a gentle way in someone's heart here this morning. I may not know it. I may never see it. But God's Word does not return empty. It accomplishes the purpose for which He sent it. And if we don't see earthquakes and fire and wind, you know, these, these, these visible results of God working, we can still trust that God is working in a quiet way. And maybe Elijah needed to understand that. So we needed to be refocused on the Lord. And then a third thing, he needed to renew his commitment to the ministry God had given him. He was trying to run from, from his calling, and God came to him in the cave. And, and what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> I haven't called you to head off into the desert by yourself to hide in a cave. That's, that's not your calling. He needed to renew that, that commitment to, to serve him. And, and so God told him, Elijah, I've got something for you to do. In verse 15, he said, go and return. And on your way to the wilderness of, of Damascus, when you arrive there, you shall anoint Haziel, king of Aram. And then you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha as a prophet who will serve after your God. So God was saying to Elisha, Elijah, I'm not going to let you quit. <laughs> I know you want to throw in the towel. I know you want to die. But Elijah, you've got a ministry. And I want you to renew your commitment to that ministry. You know what? Discouragement in ministry is never overcome by quitting. And there may be times when you feel like quitting. Times when maybe you're being you're, you're you're criticized, or times when you know it doesn't seem like things are happening, and and you just think, what's the use? I might as well just check out. I'm out of here. I'm going to get another call. I'm going to go some other place. 
Discouragement in ministry is never overcome by, by quitting. Often it makes it worse. Worse. And so sometimes the greatest challenge is, is not to go somewhere else, but to stay where God has put you. Not to seek some other place, but, but to, to be involved where God has placed you. And when you stay in the place that, that God wants you to be, then you know that you're in the center of His will, doing what He wants you to do, and He's responsible for the results. Isn't that a freedom? Like Paul says, I, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. And there's a real freedom in that. We're not, we're not responsible for the results, are we? We're just to be faithful. We share the word, we plant the seed, and then, and then God takes that and he, he uses that. And so God is saying to Elijah, no, you can't quit. I've got work for you to do. I came across a poem some years ago. Don't know who the author was, but the title of it is, I'll stay where you've put me. I'll stay where you've put me, I will, dear Lord, though I want so badly to go. I was eager to march with the rank and file. Yes, I wanted to lead them, you know. I planned to keep step to the music loud, to cheer when the banner unfurled, to stand in the midst of the fight straight and proud, victorious before the whole world. I'll stay where you put me, I'll work, dear Lord, Though the field be narrow and small, and the ground be fallow, and the stones lie thick, and there seems to be no life at all. The field is thine own, only give me the seed, I'll sow it with never a fear. I'll till the dry, dry soil while I wait for the rain, and rejoice when the green blades appear. I'll stay where you've put me. I will, dear Lord, I'll bear the day's burden and heat, always trusting Thee fully when even has come. I'll lay heavy sheaves at Thy feet. And then when my earth work is ended and done in the light of eternity's glow, life's record all closed, I surely shall find it was better to stay than to go. Elijah wanted to go. He wanted to run away from God's calling in his life. But God met him there. And maybe you've experienced that too, where you were so discouraged, you just wanted to run away from it all. But God in his grace met you there. God met, Elate, God met Elijah in a cave. Maybe you feel like you're in a dungeon today, a cave today, in discouragement. God wants to meet you there. And He will seek you there. He's not going to let you run. He'll chase you because He loves you. He wants to encourage you and refocus you and refresh you as you serve Him. Day by day and with each passing moment, the hymn writer says, Strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. I have no cause for worry. Or for fear. Father, I pray for those who may be discouraged today, that you would renew them and refresh them, 
that you would meet them in their need, Lord, as you met Elijah in that cave. That you would reveal your glory to them, your grace to them, your mercy to them. That you would renew and refresh and revive. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us in our need, that you are a faithful God. And we can rest in your care today. So to you, O God, be the glory, the honor, and the praise, both now and forevermore. Amen.